It's nice to be on a podcast today because typically I'm on the radio. I have a voice for radio, but not a face for television. <laughs> but I look in the mirror metaphorically and I, I see, you know, did I just do that? Did I just say that? Why is my prayer life not more robust? Why is my walk with God not more authentic? Why doesn't obedience come easily? Mm. Because there's a, the Puritans talk about there's a spy in the castle. Wow. I've got sin in my heart. And so all of those are constantly working against us. And so what I would say, and, and uh, you know, I know you guys are about to chip in, just uh, I think discouragement is a reality we can't run from. I think there's general discouragement, which I've just talked about. The real issue is fighting particular discouragement, yeah. letting it get it seeping into your soul where you... You get really down, really depressed. You get, you know, um, there's no window out from the moment you're in. Um, And so the trick for me or the the, the issue, I think we always go, um, we're always going to be discouraged. The challenge is to be more encouraged than discouraged. Mm. Try this on for size, gentlemen. There is something I don't know that I am supposed to know. I don't know what it is. I don't know, and yet I'm supposed to know. And I feel I look stupid if I seem both not to know it and not know what it is I don't know. Therefore, I pretend to know it. This is nerve-wracking since I don't know what I must pretend to know. Therefore, I pretend to know everything. I feel you know what I'm supposed to know, but you can't tell me what it is because you don't know that I don't know what it is. You may know what I don't know, but not that I don't know it and I can't tell you. So you will have to tell me everything. I don't know what you're talking about right now. I do. That's ridiculous. You're (laughs) describing your brain. (laughs) No, you're talking about the woman's mind, right? I mean, we're supposed to read the woman's mind at all times. Oh, that reminds me of that book, Ray. Everything Man Learned About Woman. It was empty. It was nothing in it. The blank (laughs) page. Total blank No, it wasn't even one page. It was totally blank. Total blank, the whole thing. Yeah. We interrupt this program to let you know that Easy forgot to give attribution for this little poem. It's by R.D. Lang. And the other one he's about to quote, he has no idea whose it is. He just knows it's not his. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, here's another one. I like this. Yes, another oh. one. Aren't you excited, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We could have skipped it. He who thinks he knows but doesn't know is a fool. Shun him. He who knows but doesn't know that he knows is asleep. Wake him. He who doesn't know and knows that he doesn't know is asleep. Oh, wait. I put that in twice. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Anyway, who knows and knows that he knows is a wise man. Follow him. And yes, friends, that very unfamiliar, maybe strange voice is familiar to us. We have a special guest with us. My pastor, Mark Spence's pastor. Philip DeCourcy. No. Hey. hey. The Irishman. Uh, the Irishman. Pastor, thanks for coming in for this special session of excommunicating Mark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that actually leads me to my first question for you. First, uh, do you guys practice t- church discipline? And then the follow-up question is that how often do you have to practice it with Easy and Mark? <laughs> well, we do practice it, but thankfully we haven't had to do it with them. Yeah. Interesting. You know, we they're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, got, but, I've got some notes for you. <laughs> but it's a joy to be here. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've had it on my calendar for a while. Love you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. And so to sit around the table, um, it's it's just a joy. Yeah. Uh, although I, the back of my mind, I feel like maybe it's Daniel in the lion's den, but... Um, <laughs> so which we'll, we'll one are see. you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the I hope to be Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor, it, it really is a blessing to have you. And I was thinking this morning just about the path change that, uh, that ended up... What's that? Comfort? It's changed to hear you thinking. <laughs> I know. It's a new thing I'm trying. 
but just how how our paths connected um it, it went back to prison ministry <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh, no, I got saved at Huntington Beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I remember you were on the Frank Pastore show, and uh, our well, one of the congregants and our mutual friend Eric Sorensen heard you, and he said, "Oh man, you got to check out you know this 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 guy's at the church." So I remember I went online and I saw your installation, and I saw you being installed by Dr. John MacArthur. And obviously, I, you know, I've admired him for years. I thought, wow, this is cool. Then Thomas Pertel was looking for a new church. I recommended it. He went, uh, loved it, gave you one of my sermons, passing the torch yeah. on raising a, a godly generation. You invited me to speak. And then um, we prayed about it and became home. Yeah, the rest, yeah. The rest is history. And Thomas yeah. told me about Kindred. So I went to Kindred because of Thomas. Yeah. Hmm. So it's been 14 years now. Wow. About the same for you yeah, guys, Mark. Yeah, you believe. were there a little longer than me. Yeah. Uh, for the listeners, who is Thomas Pertel? He's one of the elders at Kindred. And, yeah. Uh, dear friend dear of friend. us all. Friend of the ministry. Chick-fil-A operator. Chick-fil-A disciple of Jesus. Great father. Good man. Yeah. We, could, we could go on about Thomas. Chicken and, lover, yeah. You know? Yeah. And the benefit <laughs> is that through you guys, I get to meet Ray in person and in the flesh. Yeah. Which is, which is itself a blessing. Yeah. You don't want to see Ray in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> But Pastor, you know, it, you have been such a tremendous blessing to us. Um, obviously, Mark and I have, have seen our gamut of churches through the years, traveling throughout the country in different parts of the yeah. world. And um, but one of the things I, I've said about Kindred time and again is is the fact that there is pervasive excellence in the church, from leadership to the pulpit ministry to uh, the 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 training ministry that we do through. Through, through various forms, missions, evangelism. Mm. I mean, it's such a blessing. But, you know, today, one of the things that, that we're going to highlight, the main topic we're talking about is discouragement. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've had your, your share of discouragement over the years through pastoring, um, not just at Kindred, other churches, and then uh, just ministry in general, the things you, you've gone through uh, over the years um, in terms of of personal trials, and then even maybe back in the days when you were in Ireland and, and what you experienced there. So we're excited to have you. We're excited to, to uh, get into all of that. And um, how long have you been in the U.S., by the way? I'm trying to remember when you got here. Uh, 94. Well, that's a, lot, that's a lot of years. Uh, yeah. um, you were a policeman. <laughs> no, I came in 94. Oh, 94. Uh, so yeah. you were a policeman house. in Ireland. Is that I correct? I was. Not, not full-time. Uh, Ray, I was uh, part-time. But it was real. I grew up during the Troubles there when the, this, the country was in conflict. And I felt I needed to do my part. I was an engineer most of the time. But uh, because of the terrorism and the trouble, a bit like Israel right now, we had large uh, reserve forces. So I was a reserve policeman. This would be before these guys. Do you know about the islands, the, the kind of revolution in Ireland? So yeah. they were all about it. Yeah. Every yeah. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, without getting into the depths of that, I appreciated those years um, because I think I lived my faith. I wrote a book called Take Cover uh, about my time in the so, police. So could you say the title again? Because Take Cover. Take Cover. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the... One of the um, Things I, I learned as a police officer was that security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God. Mm -hmm. uh, because as, as an officer there, we were more likely to be killed 
off duty and out of uniform. And wow. so there, you were living in constant, not constant fear as a believer because we lived in constant trust in God, but you, the, the reality of, of your departure was, was always there. And I learned to cope with that, deal with that by reminding myself, you know, I live between the hedges of God's providence, Job 1. Um, you know, God has written all our days down in the book. The, the IRA won't determine the day I death, the sovereignty of God will. And so that brought a peace. And I learned to be brave and courageous. And I hope that, you know, I passed that on to others. But I, I learned that and kind of wrote about that in the book, that security is not the absence of danger. You can't go anywhere in this world and escape danger. That's true. Right. Um, it's it's always there. But, uh, you know, security is the presence of God. He's always with us. We trust him at all times. And he's our shield. And uh, he's our defender. And um, I think, we, you know, that, that's a message I needed. And it's a message uh, others needed. And I would say this. I've been to the Irish Baptist College. I've been to the Master's Seminary, but I'm thankful for the life-on-life training I got just as an engineer and more especially as a police officer. I think my years in law enforcement um, you know, help prepare me to deal with people and their challenges, to to understand the fallenness of man, to long for ultimate justice, and to act bravely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great, Pastor. All right. Well, we're going to jump into the topic in a moment. But first, what are your comments? This is from Bill H. Gates. Wow. <laughs> Official. <laughs> oh, boy. How I wish it was the real Bill Gates. Can't get enough. This podcast has been such an amazing blessing in my life. I am so grateful for the godly wisdom you guys bring to the table. You all have inspired me and a couple of buddies to start our own podcast aimed at building up others and ourselves and faith. Blessings, guys. Here P.S. Comes. Easy has a beautiful singing voice. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Do you notice he how really he has it? Man of wisdom. Bill Gates. I did can quote. Really Bill Gates thinks I have he an did. amazing voice. He did. Yes, of course. Oh. Why would you doubt that, Ray? Because he seemed like a sane guy. <laughs> <laughs> notice how he yeah. hasn't read the other ones. Yeah. That we found for him. You know, yeah, we, we, we don't read those. Did you, do you have that? <laughs> There's a couple of them. We don't read those. Well, okay, friends. This podcast is brought to you by Why Jesus Book. <laughs> book by Ray Comfort. This book will help you recognize Jesus as the only path to everlasting life, identify lies that distort humanity's views of God, and use the Bible to highlight our need of the Savior. Ray, did you write that book? It's just a new book. Yeah, it's just came out. Yeah. Glorious cover, by the way. Yeah, beautiful Ray. cover. Yeah, I like it. You don't know what it looks like, do you? Have you read it? <laughs> I have it no idea my what's face in it. it. It's a beautiful cover. Yeah. Anyway, friends, check it out. And don't forget the Living Waters mug, the Evidence Study Bible, all at Living Waters. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week. Goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Dot com. Man, Oscar. Oscar. Luke Wall. Man. It's been a few weeks. What's oh, wrong with you? Man. You are like out of it today. Silence. Yeah. All right, Franz. As I said, today we're talking about discouragement. 
I'm glad we have a new voice here because I get discouraged by these three all the time. <laughs> uh, Pastor, this is probably one of the most crippling elements, I'd say, for Christians. Um, you know, <laughs> we're always having to push ourselves to encourage ourselves or to encourage others because discouragement comes sure. naturally in a fallen, broken world. Yeah. So I'd love for you to maybe just kick it off by giving us sort of an overview of of the element of discouragement, and then we could cut it up and just, you know. Did you say elephant of discouragement? Yeah, Yeah. no, it's a reality, right? Um, I, I remember when I was at the Irish Baptist College, Dr. Ivor Oakley uh, told us that our job was twofold, to go out and disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. Mm. And he said on another occasion, preach the broken hearts and you'll never lack a congregation. That little phrase has always stood with me because on any given morning, I'm standing amidst and above a group of people who are facing all kinds of challenges. Discouragement's real, right? Yeah. Look at the Bible and look at the characters of the Bible. You've got, you know, uh, the people of Israel under Nehemiah discouraged in chapter four. You've got Elijah about to give up and depressed and discouraged after such a great win on the Mount, uh, Mount Carmel. Um, you've got uh, Jesus' frustration somewhat with his disciples, right? You know, slow of heart to believe. Uh, you've got Paul talking about his distress and, and discouragement. Look out throughout church history. Spurgeon talks about the fainting fits of the minister. Hmm. Um, you know, Adoniram Judson almost gives up after the death of his wife and the loss of his child. And he says, God to me is the great unknown. We hmm. could multiply that. It's just the reality. Yeah. And, and um, I think, you know, uh, we, we fight discouragement on three fronts. This is, you know, old theology, simple, but it's right. The world will discourage us. You hinted at this. We live in a fallen world, subject to futility. Uh, we live under the shadow of death, and there's, there's all of that discourages us. There's so much around us in a fallen world that, that breaks the heart, troubles the mind. And just living in this world, uh, it, you know, it's the waters we swim in. So discouragement comes from that. Um, we've got an adversary, right? The devil. No. who's an accuser of the brethren. He's called our adversary in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. So he's always working against us. When something or someone's always working against you, that's discouraging. When you're always in a headwind, you're always rowing against the current. And then there's the flesh. Hmm. And and maybe, you know, nobody discourages me more than myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I look in the mirror, metaphorically speaking, well, I could look in the mirror physically and not be a discouragement <laughs> enough. But, um, you know, Ray understands. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's nice to be on a podcast today because typically I'm on the radio. I have a voice for radio, but not a face for television. <laughs> but I look in the mirror metaphorically and I, I see... You know, did I just do that? Did I just say that? Why is my prayer life not more robust? Why is my walk with God not more authentic? Why doesn't obedience come easily? Mm. Because there's a, the Puritans talk about there's a spy in the castle. Wow. I've got sin in my heart. And so all of those are constantly working against us. And so what I would say, and, and uh, you know, I know you guys are about to chip in, just uh, I think discouragement is a reality we can't run from. I think there's general discouragement, which I've just talked about. The real issue is fighting particular discouragement, yeah. letting it get it seeping into your soul where you, 
you get really down, really depressed. You get, you know, um, there's no window out from the moment you're in. Um, And so the trick for me or the the, the issue, I think we always go, um, we're always going to be discouraged. The challenge is to be more encouraged than discouraged. Mm, Um, George Verver, you remember, Ray? Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the Americans don't know him as well, but George Verver ran Operation Mobilization, a great man of God. And um, I remember him saying one day, um, I've never had a discouraging day. And then I go, hold on a minute, brother. What world do you live (laughs) in? But then he went on. It was a little catch. He says, I've never had a discouraging day. I've had a discouraging morning. I've had a discouraging afternoon. But the chat, what he's saying is, but some point I got to fight that. At some point I got to overcome that. So, you know, discouragement, I think I'll be discouraged about the world, uh, about the battle I'm in and about my flesh to the day I die. Yeah. Uh, but we've got to draw from the means of grace and always be more encouraged than discouraged. Yeah, you know, Ray, you and I have talked about this numerous times. You how, and I? You and I? You and I? <laughs> how, you know, we will be riding high, encouraged, the Lord did something, maybe we preached somewhere or, or uh, someone wrote into the ministry, say, said how they've been touched. And then like hours later, or we might wake up the next morning and we feel totally down. Is that just the the vicissitudes of life. Vicissitudes. Yeah, I've always said, I talk with Sue about the vicissitudes wow, of life. What is that <laughs> can't even say it. Um, you know, there's a silver lining with discouragement. I was just thinking the other day, if only I could walk of humility of heart, then I'd have something to be proud of. Hmm. And I thought, how ridiculous, because I've got this continual conceit going on in my heart, the devil, the world, the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just crazy. We've got nothing to be proud of. And so my, my, my prideful thoughts keep me humble. Mm. They make me bow my head before God. So my, when I'm weak, then I become strong. And it's the same with discouragement. I'm continually discouraged. Yeah. You know, you're up and then you're down and you've got these fearful thoughts. There's fears coming from different directions. But what, what that does is it keeps me at the foot of the cross. It keeps oh, me man. trusting in Jesus. Yeah. And the whole thought of discouragement, break up the word, con, with, <laughs> discourage. Yeah. Dis, get rid of your courage. That's what the enemy wants to do. And the Bible says in Isaiah 42, I think verse 4, speaking of Jesus, he shall not fail nor be discouraged. And the reason, and even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't lose his courage. He got his courage, but he didn't lose his courage because he knew he could not fail. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. Mm. So we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, which says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It begins with therefore, so we go back to the previous verses, and the previous verses speak of the victory that we have over death. That's why we should never be discouraged. So think of ourselves as a firefighter. If a firefighter arrives at a fire and it's just a horrific mess, people screaming from buildings, what does he say? Man, this is so discouraging. I'm going I'm going home. That's right. No, he doesn't listen to his fears, doesn't listen to his thoughts of his, he's a firefighter. So he pushes them aside and that's what we have to do as Christians. We get all mm. this discouragement. We say no, no, we we're, we're here to seek and save that which is lost. Mm. We're going to glorify God and there's nothing that's going to take me from that cuz I cannot fail because God's for me, nothing can be against me. Oh, that's good. You know, several years ago, Pastor Philip, you had visited my son in the hospital. I actually just kind of bumped into you. You were visiting somebody else, and I told you about my son who had been admitted he had C. diff. And you shared a couple of scriptures that I've never forgotten. Wow, and remind you, me. You spoke encouragement into his life. And it was, um, 
Mark 4.38, don't you care that we're perishing? And you painted the picture where we have these seasoned fishermen. Here's Jesus going over to Decapolis, the 10 cities, crossing the Sea of Galilee, and they're discouraged. And all of the billows, all the waves, are they're coming down over. And then finally, Peter wakes up, Jesus, and he says, don't you, don't care? you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? So we went from the beginning part of Jesus's ministry where Peter pipes up and he says, don't you care, all the way to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where it says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And you pointed out the picture where here's, here's Peter walking with Jesus over some time, starting off with don't you care to what do you got? Cast that, cast that care on Jesus because he cares. And I looked up that word cast and it literally means to throw upon, to remove from yourself and to do, it's like you ever walked into a spider web, like in the night where it's like dark, <laughs> it's like you're able to do aerobics and lose like 150 <laughs> calories within three seconds. Like you're, you're just like, you're, you're going crazy. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, the, that's the idea. That's the picture within the Vulgate that you grab a hold of what you have and you're throwing it over upon Jesus. And here he is. You can cast anything, whatever sure. you got. And it spoke encouragement into my son's sure. life well, and into mine as that's well. Good. Oh. That's good. It's good. Yeah. I would just piggyback off something I think is a very important. Don't discount the physical yeah. when it comes to discouragement. Because you were just saying maybe you and Ray or Mark or Oscar, you've had a great conference a day away. You preach your heart out. You've delivered the sermon on the soul. And we often forget it's in the backwash of, of exhaustion yeah, that discouragement and depression comes. If you look at Elijah, you know, he, he, he's... After he's, a win. After a win, yeah. he's down in the dumps. And what does God do? He feeds him and he puts him to sleep. I talk wow. about he gives him two nights of bread and breakfast, like free, <laughs> free of charge. Yeah. And, and um, we mustn't discount the body. Yeah. And as much as possible, and some of us have the burden of, of uh, you know, continual ill health, but we should do all we can to keep as fit as we can and, uh, and physically, you know, as strong as we can. Mm. We mustn't be Gnostic. Yeah. In our view of the body, our body and our souls live in close quarter and yeah. they catch each other's diseases and the, you know, uh, the spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. And, uh, you know, famously, Robert Murray McShean, uh, who was a great Scottish pastor, my wife is from Scotland and he, he died at 29 and he famous, he's famous for this statement, God give me a message on a horse. Mm. And I killed the horse. Wow. He seems to be admitting he didn't take care of his body. So just, you know, we tend to over-spiritualize oh. discouragement and depression. A good night's sleep, a good meal, the company of friends. I don't know what it is, but don't discount the physical part of discouragement. Man, Pastor, that's so huge. And I'm glad you mentioned that. In fact... Well, you were just running ragged recently oh, yourself. You I and know. I were talking about yeah, this. It's, it's true. It's true. And a lot of times people, like you're saying, ignore that. And oftentimes when I'm counseling people and they're going through, especially depression, I ask them, look, do you exercise? Well, what are your eating habits like? What are your sleeping habits like? Uh, are you journaling? Are you filling your soul with, with good music that's, that's turning your gaze toward eternity? Those things have a massive impact. And even a conversation with someone who understands you. You know, when I'm discouraged and I just talk to a brother who knows me, knows, knows my life, knows my background, and uh, knows God's word, that just breathes life back into me. So that's a huge element. I think a big step, uh, which is kind of what you guys are getting at here, is that any negative emotion, especially discouragement, we need to first use that as a diagnostic tool for our lives. Because so often in our modern day, anytime you're discouraged, anytime you're, you're down, um, our, our immediate resolution is to get busy. 
right, is to ignore the pain and the suffering and busy yourself up with social media, busy yourself up with a busy calendar. Or mask Busy, it. busy, mask it, right. Mask it with busyness, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And what it does is it builds up all of this tension of discouragement that if left unchecked, will ultimately take control of our lives. Paul Tripp, a friend of mine, said mm. it like this, left unchecked, discouragement will become your eyes and ears, determining what you see and hear and how you see and hear it. Unchecked, it will become the master of your emotions and the ruler of your choices and actions. Unchecked, discouragement will rob you of your hope and motivation. It will steal your reason for doing good. It will rob you of your ability to trust. It will make you closed, self-protective, and easily overwhelmed. Discouragement will sap you of your strength and courage. It will cause you to see negative where nothing is negative and miss the positive that is right in front of you. If given room... Discouragement will tell you lies that have the power to destroy your life. And so to, to, to Don't use... Don't ignore it. Yeah, that's right. To use these negative emotions, discouragement as a diagnostic tool. And one of the, my favorite things to ask guys who are discouraged or even myself in a moment is this. What lie am I believing? Mm-hmm. So, what yeah, lie good. am I believing about myself? Wow. What lie am I believing about God? What lie am I believing about the world around me? And then to take that lie, once you've analyzed that through prayer, through meditation, through talking with friends, to take that lie and to replace it with the truth of God's word. So I just wrote down a few examples. When you are discouraged because you're like, man, I am worthless. James 1.18, you are God's prized possession. You're a mess up. Man, you are forgiven, 1 John 1.9. You're never gonna change when you're dealing with sin. He who began a good work in you is faithful to carry it out, Philippians 1.6. Your life is pointless when you believe that lie. Psalm 139, you were made for the day and the day was made for you. See, so often we need to preach the gospel to ourselves in those moments of discouragement. Yeah, R. Ken Hughes, he said, if you uh, do not meditate on God's word, you're going to believe lies are true. Yeah. So we need to be found meditating uh, continually, speaking truth over us over and over and over again. Yeah, Yeah. amen. Combating the lies with truth. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it, it's important to focus on what voice we're listening to. I mean, when I, I, I did a study just recently on Nehemiah 4, which is a chapter on discouragement. Uh, chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, they talked about, you know, the, the, the strength of the laborers was failing. They were not able. Uh, there was so much, you know, rubbish and rubble still to be moved. And I think it was an old uh, pastor in Scotland, George B. Duncan, who pastored um, a church that ultimately Sinclair Ferguson pastored, the Great Tron. Too. Um, he's, he said there's three voices in chapter four. He says there's the voice of Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem who say, we're going to come and destroy your work. Mm. So the, the voice there is you can't. So the enemy will say you can't. Or no, so the enemy will say you won't. We're not going to let it happen. You're not going to build that church. You're not going to raise that godly family. You're not going to be a, an effective servant for Jesus Christ. And sometimes we listen to that voice. And then the other voice was the, the voice of the people in their, in their own discouragement, to your point, that, you know, they were listening to themselves, which is a mistake. You know, that's the, the Lloyd-Jones, yeah. Psalm 42. Instead quote, of listening, you know, instead yourself, listen to yourself, talk to talk yourself. To yourself. Yeah, when you get that. up in the morning, your mind and your heart's already talking. It's already carrying on the conversation uh, of the night before. 
And you need to interrupt those internal conversations with the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to whisper peace. And then, uh, uh, you know, and, and, um, and then the, four, the, the third voice is the voice of God. You know, Nehemiah says to him in Nehemiah 4.14, remember God, awesome and mighty. He will fight for you. And, and so I love that outline. I came across it years ago, and I've gone back to it on discouraging days. Hey, you know, the world wants to say to me, you won't. Sometimes I convince myself I can't, and I need to remind myself God will. Um, when I was in, uh, Ray talked about my time in the RUC, I remember in, in one of our early trainings, we had to watch a video of um, officers. It was an American video about actually police officers in America who had been shot. And by all medical measure, they shouldn't have died. It wasn't a life-threatening shot or wound, but they just assumed I've been shot, I'm going to die. And they listened to that internal voice and they said many officers died unnecessarily. And the training video was to train us. If you get shot, you've got to be tough mentally. You've got to, you know, fight that voice inside, I'm dying, and, and remind yourself, hey, you know, I'm going to stay alive. Keep, you know, so, you know, you watch those movies, stay with me. Yeah. And, and so, you've, you know, ultimately, that's all in the hands of God. But we need to fight internally those voices of surrender. And death. so, you know, the, the world is full of voices. And we need to make sure that God's voice is loudest of all. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh, Ray, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And then Pastor, I want to read something that J.I. Packer said about the Puritans mm. and get your, your feedback on it. But Ray, we're talking about having, in a sense, a battle plan to combat discouragement. Randy Smith said this. He said, if you serve in gospel ministry, there will be loads of opposition. Even Jesus Christ faced it. And since staying disengaged is not an option, it's wise to ready yourself right now to be prepared for the pitfalls toward discouragement and armed with reasons to persevere with a resolute heart. And then to piggyback on that, Nancy Lay DeMoss said, one of the most valuable aids to meditation is scripture memorization. In fact, when I encounter someone who is battling discouragement or depression, I often ask two questions. Are you singing to the Lord and are you memorizing scripture? These two exercises are not some magical formula to make all our problems go away, but they do have incredible power to change our perspective and attitude toward the issues we are facing. That's something that has been a standout sort of uh, characteristic of yours, and that's determining to praise God. You talk about leaping for joy literally at times, and, and also hiding God's word in your heart. How key are those things? It's an attitude of mind. Um, speaking of that, I just read a quote by Charles There's Spurgeon. There's hardship in everything except eating pancakes. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. No, just stole it. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said this hardship in everything except eating pancakes. <laughs> so how cool is that? That yeah. a guy with such status uh, spiritually could say something as carnal as that, but it's so true. Yeah, I used to encourage myself when I was preaching the gospel down in Christchurch, did it most days for about 12 years. And it was tremendously discouraging in the sense that I had a group of guys that would show up every day. They'd be waiting for me there. They were on the dole. No there getting, you go. Yeah, get. Yeah. And they'd sit I around, and the <laughs> highlight of their life was to discourage me when I was preaching. And they'd go up the top of the cathedral, lean over when I was preaching the gospel of everlasting life, and just call out together in unison, boring. <laughs> it, was, it was the Lord's way of preparing And they do it every day, wow. continually wow. boring. And it's the message of everlasting life. So I'd say to myself, I have the privilege of preaching the everlasting gospel in the last days in the uttermost part of the earth uh, in the city that bears the name of the Lord, Christ, Christ Church. Church. Wow. And it really was the uttermost part of the earth. If you put a needle from Jerusalem right through the earth, it'd be really annoying. Yeah. 
But you come uh, out, of, you come out of the city of Christ. It's just out by the ocean. So it used to really <laughs> encourage me. So you got to speak to yourself a lot and realize. I, I, I go twice a day to the local college on my bike with my dog, wearing sunglasses, and, and share the <laughs> gospel. And every time I get on the bike, just as I'm about to leave, I feel these discouragements. Yeah. And I just say, I'm not going to take any notice of that. That's okay. good. Yeah. And Mark, also giving thanks is a huge yeah. remedy to discouragement. Isn't it, it is. You know, scripture says to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I, I'm determined. I'm de- de- determined to thank God for things he's never heard thank you for. Mm. Right. Um, I was at, I spoke at a church in uh, this past Sunday. And as I was <laughs> right sitting top there, of the list. <laughs> as I was sitting there inside the church, I, I remember just thanking God for the chair that I was sitting in. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, I bet nobody's ever thanked God for that chair that I just sat in before I got up here. And I, I, I want to give thanks to the Lord in everything, mm. in good times, in bad times, in everything. Mm. Vance Havner said, sometimes God puts you on your back so that you look up, look up. Uh-huh. right? And that, that is the idea that we are perpetually designed within our DNA to always look up. You mm-hmm. know, Christina Pertel, I, I had said something to her about trials, and I said, you know, the hardest trial you'll ever go through is the one you're going through right now until tomorrow hits. Mm-hmm. And she said, ah, correction. Now, this is spoken from a woman who has gone through cancer. Not she sure. said, you know, the hardest trial you'll ever go through is the one you're going through without the Lord. Wow. Right, because when your eyes are on the That's Lord, right. you can mock the tumultuous storm that is around you. Mm. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter when your eyes are on the Lord because this is not our home, and we're homesick for a home we've never been to. Uh, I looked at my age today in days. I'm 18,873 days old. Yeah, That's all I That's discouraging. Right. I've, been wow. <laughs> I've been counting the days, Spence. <laughs> scripture says to number our days in our youth. That means in light of your death, are you making sure that your days yeah, amen. There is no wasted days. There's no time to waste. That's good. We cannot waste time. Yeah, that's good. Can I, there's another thing too, uh, just keep persevering. Amen. I mean, I want to publicly salute you guys. I mean, you, you, and, and Ray's life shows this. Just You just turn up. Ray has turned up. You guys have turned up. Again, everybody thinks probably for you guys that it's, it's easy, but I know you. You've got to fight the doubts, the discouragement, the public mockery. And I think perseverance is, is a theme in the Bible, the, the old theology, the perseverance of the saints. But, you know, Galatians 6, 9 to 10, you know, don't be weary in well-doing. Keep doing it for in due season. Yeah. I, wonder if we are, I wonder how many times we've stopped short. Yeah. of God's blessing, uh, because, simply because we didn't persevere. Endurance, Hebrews uh, 12. I mean, one of our elders, Mark Avon, said recently at an elders meeting I thought was really good, some people have a heart for ministry, they don't have a stomach. Hmm. It's really good, right? <laughs> I like that. Because, and, yeah. and, and we need a stomach. We need guts. We need grit. Yeah, we just need to good. put the head down like William Carey. I can plod. Mm-hmm. And so let's not this kind just plodding to the mother that's tired, just plod yeah. to, the, to the street evangelist, just plod to the pastor who feels this may be his long, last sermon, just plod. Amen. You know, sometimes there's nothing else to do than keep on doing what you're doing until God brings you to a, 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 a you know, a season of renewal or a, a season of blessing. So let's not this kind just persevere. So you good. Know? And Go here's ahead. the thing. This is the difference between when the scriptures tells us to persevere versus the, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, do it yourself kind of perseverance, which is just a self-help motivation. And that's certainly not what we're saying. What we are saying is look, persevere because you can see how God has loved you. You can, it's exactly right. You, you take account of your status before the Lord. I love J.A. Packer's quote, 
where he says to be forgiven by a righteous judge is great news, but to be loved by a father in heaven who has adopted you is the greatest news. And that is at the heart of the gospel. That's what he says. And I think that that's, you know, I, I know I've shared the story before, but truly this is what causes me to persevere is to, to notice the love of my father. And uh, I've shared before, Philip, I don't know if you've heard, but I grew up, I grew up without a biological father. I was, I was told he left before my first birthday. I had abusive stepdads. Uh, you know, I had one for seven years. It was physically abusive. Another one for seven years. It was sexually abusive. Uh, I was kicked out of my house by the time I was 13. Um, so just, I had no father figures. And then by the time I was 30, my wife is like, hey, let's try to find your biological father. And I, the only two stories that I knew about my biological father was that he was a drunkard. That's what my grandma told me and that he liked to get into bar fights. So in my mind at 30, I'm like, I don't need to go reach out to this guy. It doesn't really sound like he has much to offer, you know? Um, and thinking back, I just had bad fatherly experiences. I can specifically remember one of my stepdads at the wedding of my mom's wedding with him. Like he's walking around and I can hear people ask like, oh, who's that kid over there pointing to me? And I remember him saying, oh, that's Becky's son. You know, so even to call them stepdads wasn't really, like they didn't ever wanted to be my father. You know what I mean? I just didn't have a dad. So anyways, fast forward, I'm 30 something years old. Uh, I start to try to find my biological father. And actually I'm on the phone with Easy when I get a phone call and I'm like, I think this is him. So I hang up the phone with him and I answer and, it, and it's him. And, and the story shifted massively. Essentially, he did not leave us. My mom sort of, she was an, she was an addict. She kind of pushed him out of our lives. Uh, and he was looking for me for a really long time, just couldn't find me. So I meet this man. I go over to his house. He, they've got pictures of me on the wall. Uh, they would wow. remember, he showed me a calendar. They would celebrate my birthday every year, count up my age. What a story. Uh, during that? Christmas, they would remember me. The neighbors knew me by name. My, I have two little brothers. Their friends knew me. They were like this little family that was like waiting for their older brother to come home. And during COVID, my older, my, my younger, my brother, who's 10 years younger than me, who's getting married, he asked me to officiate the wedding. So we're at the wedding and we're turning the corner and every corner I turned, my biological father is throwing his arm around me saying, have you met my son? This is mm. my son. And for the first time at 34, 35 years old, I knew what it was like to be loved by a father. Reason why I share that mm. story isn't just because it's a great story of reconciliation between me and my father. It speaks to a greater story of our reconciliation to our father in yeah. heaven. How could you be discouraged knowing sure. that through the blood of Christ, God the father has his arm around you saying, this is my son. Sure. This Amen. is my daughter. Behold what Whew. manner of love the Father hath bestowed mm, upon us, that we right. should be called the sons that's of right. God. Thank you for making my eyeballs sweat yeah. again, Oscar. <laughs> that's so powerful. And, you know, Pastor, I love the fact that you talked about plotting on. You know, Eric Little of Chariots of Fire mm. fame, he, he said that famous line, he, he would run as he was speaking with his sister because he felt the pleasure of God. And when you think about what he endured, I mean, this is a guy that took a stand and wouldn't run in the race he was favored to win because it was on a Sunday and he had a conviction not to run on the Lord's day. Right. And so he ends up running, winning the 400. But you think of what, what, he, what he had to persevere through in order to get to that point. But he did it because he sensed the pleasure of God, which meant that he was where God wanted him to be, doing what God wanted him to do. 
And I've had people ask me before, what is it that's caused you to press on in ministry? Because there's this misnomer, right? People see us in the limelight. They see us in moments of victory when we're preaching and maybe God moved. But they don't see us when we're, we're, we're crying out, God, help me, as, as we're struggling with a text and we're dealing with all kinds of discouragements. But, but my answer to them was, it's because I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. And that's what helps us to, to press on. So, Pastor, I want to yeah, read man. this. I want to read this quote by J.I. Packer about the Puritans, and then I'd love you to comment on it and then share whatever yeah. you want to share. He said, The Puritans were great souls serving a great God. In them, clear headed passion and warm hearted compassion combined. Visionary and practical, idealistic and realistic too, goal oriented and methodical. They were great believers, great hopers, great doers, and great sufferers. But their sufferings, both sides of the ocean, in old England from the authorities and in New England from the elements, seasoned and ripened them till they gained a stature that was nothing short of heroic. Ease and luxury, such as our affluence brings us today, do not make for maturity. Hardship and struggle, however, do. And the Puritans' battles against the spiritual and climactic wilderness in which God set them produced a virility of character undaunted and unsinkable, rising above discouragement and fears for which the true precedents and models are men like Moses and Nehemiah and Peter after Pentecost and the Apostle Paul. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you guys touched on this. Uh, you know, um, let's embrace uh, the context of our, dis- of our discouragement, not necessarily the discouragement, and allow God to use our trials uh, to complete us, James 1, or to, to make us more persevering and enduring. The one little phrase that jumps out uh, in what you just quoted is what they were great hopers. And one of the things we haven't touched on, and I, I, I wrote it down to make sure we, we, we got to this point, is, is the importance of the, the doctrine of Jesus' return. Yeah, when it comes to discouragement. It's a huge theme. I mean, I was just looking here at Second Corinthians 4, um, you know, uh, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. And, um, you know, here's one example of uh, the the hope of Jesus' return, um, glorified state, a new heaven, a new earth, rewarded by God, reigning with Christ. We could go down the list of things that are set before the early believers. I mean, look at Revelation 2 to 3, right? I just preached in Revelation on, on Sunday. Here's the church being persecuted under Domitian, discouraged. Some martyrdom is taking place. And every single letter ends with the, 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 the carrot of eternal life and eternal joy. You won't taste the second death. You'll reign with Christ. Your name's written down on, 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 a, on a stone. And, and I, I just think that's important. I, I try to keep a robust um, eschatology alive in my life, remind myself that I live like Martin Luther this day for that day. Because um, if I'm living for that day, I can endure this day. This is the ugly short life. This is where the world hates us. Uh, this is this is you know living under the shadow of death. This isn't the sunlight of God's glory. This isn't the eternal state. Um, you know, I, Ray and I are, are great, you know, fans of Margaret Thatcher, and um, I remember she said, um, I, "I I can be extraordinarily patient." 
so long as I get my way in the end. It's a great quote, right? Can't, can't you be patient? Hmm. When you know the finish line's just around the corner, when you know what lies on the other side of the hill. Um, H.B. Charles is a friend of mine. We just preached together. He told a great story that reinforces this also of a pastor who was ganged up in his church and basically voted out. And, you know, the night that ends his ministry, gathers his stuff, he's walking out to the car lot. He's about to get into his car. Discouraging moment, one can imagine. His heart's got to be in his shoes. And an old deacon follows him out, and he's heartbroken and a bit of a supporter of the pastor. And he says to him, Pastor, what are you going to do now? And he says, well, I'm going to heaven. And, And he goes, what do you mean you're going? We know you're going to heaven, but what are you going to do now? He says, I'm going to heaven. And, and the point is, we're all going to heaven. Mm. And, and uh, you know, we've got to keep that very much at the front of our mind because it will help us endure. The old pastor was saying, you know, the, this kind of sucks to some degree. I don't like it, um, you know, but I'm going to heaven. Uh-huh. I can, I'll, I'll, I'll outlast this. I'll outlive this. And I love that little story. And, and we need to remind ourselves every day we're going to heaven. Get yeah. up. Keep Christ going. Victory. Yeah, yeah, we have to remember, let's have a, a lofty view of God's sovereignty, right? Mm. Th- things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. That's mm. good. Think about that. That's right? Right. It's, it's not original, but it, but, it, but it's so it's so true, right? Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. Uh, I, yeah. I love this little scripture, right? I mean, they that worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. And this idea of truth, it speaks of two different things. One we're obviously very familiar with, we worship the correct God. Mm. So the more we get to know God, the more things will begin to make sense within his economy. And the second, maybe not so much, but it, it speaks of worshiping God with an honest tongue, with an honest life, where you can go to the Lord, you can approach the Lord and you can say, I'm confused, or I don't feel like worshiping you. It's like that A.W. Tozer quote, I, I I don't desire you, but I desire to want to have a desire for you. That's all I have right now, and that's what I'm bringing before you. And so the Lord draws near. So when we worship God in the midst of these, in, in the midst of the chaos, right? We we have to understand that God doesn't need any counsel, right? If He needed wisdom, you wouldn't know about it. He He knows what He's doing inside of our lives, yeah. right? If you're a Christian, listen, we've read the last chapter. Amen. You know, God wins, mm. right? And everything. Spoiler from, alert. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert, right? So th- this is not an issue. It's an opportunity. Yeah. Right? I don't know what you're going through, but I know who's going through that with you. That's good. Amen. Right? And so have your eyes on the Lord. And when your eyes are on the Lord, you really reverentially can mock the tumultuous storm. That's good. Absolutely. Mm. Ray, uh, you know, one of the things about Paul the Apostle that has been an encouragement to me was seeing how he would see light in the midst of darkness. And this is one of my favorite passages that demonstrates that. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 11, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. I mean, he's, he's, he's highlighting all those points of negativity, but he's coming back by encouraging himself and saying, hey, there's this, but look, we're not here. And, uh, and ultimately, even with death, he's pointing toward life, the life of Christ shining through us. Yeah, Sue and I read that in our devotions last night. And wow. I'm just thinking that 
talking about darkness and looking for the light. I think the darkest time ever for the disciples was the night of just before the resurrection. Mm. Uh, just absolute horror. Yeah. Who would have believed such a thing could take place? Mm. And he walked on the sea, multiplied fishes, he raised the dead, and here he is taken from us by this horrific death. And yet, look what was coming. Yeah. Look at the when the sun came up, up came the sun. Oh, that's oh. a good quote. Write <laughs> <laughs> wow. it down, Ray well, Comfort. Spend all week Ooh, Don't that forget one. that one. That one's original. <laughs> well, Pastor, uh, th- this has been absolutely fabulous. I can't believe how quickly the time has mm. flown, and we've got to have you back for sure. sure. But I, I want, I, friends, you've now tasted, you've heard of us talk about Pastor Phil for so long here on the podcast, but now you've tasted a bit of... Yeah, now, <laughs> now he knows it's not true, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you've discovered why we should leave the church. No, but you've, you've tasted of... Church of, discipline is coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you've tasted of what Mark and I get to taste of weekly and, yeah. and why we've, we've been so blessed, and especially to see our family fed. But Pastor, I'd love you to tell our listeners just about your ministry, about uh, Know the Truth, your radio ministry, uh, about Kindred, the church, uh, that's in Anaheim. We, we'd love to invite anyone who'd love to come visit to come by. But uh, but fill the people in. Maybe any books you've you've got that are available. Sure. I mean, hey, um, love people to come by the church if they're in our area. Um, they can go to kindredchurch.org, and you'll get all kinds of information about church services and Bible studies and small groups and uh, training seminars that we put on. And then you know the the radio is a joy. Uh, it's something I never expected, um, but God in His goodness has has opened that door for me, and I, I embrace it. I love First Thessalonians one uh, from you, Acodite from you sounded out the Word of God. Mm. And I think radio and podcasting just gives me another avenue by which to do that. And, and God has been good. And we'd love to people to connect with us at ktt.org. We've mm. got a brand new website. Uh, we've got an app they can download and you know listen to the sermons. We, we've got a list of materials. I'm, I'm not necessarily going to push any one book. I've written a book about my time in the police. I've uh, written a book on um, the role of women in the church. I've written a book on contentment. I've written a book on anxiety. It's all there. Just go to ktt.org and hit the resources page. We also have just launched a a small little, uh, you know, podcast called So True Devotionals, where I just take like a five, seven minutes, you know, bite-sized theology uh, perspective and, and bring that to people. So look, just like yourselves, uh, we're just in the business of preaching Christ, exalting Him, uh, getting God's Word out because, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but mm. the Word of the Lord will endure forever. Yeah. When's Amen. your book, uh, Pastoring Two Knuckleheads, come out? <laughs> <laughs> well, there yeah, you have that'd it. Be, that'd be a bestseller. <laughs> Actually, that would be a great title, All wouldn't right. it? For pastors, Pastoring Two Knuckleheads. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. The Ulster Knight himself. Uh, we'll have a tab where you can have uh, translation into real English. <laughs> if you didn't understand a word he said. But thank you for joining us, friends. Hey, don't forget, Why Jesus by Ray Comfort, The Living Waters Mug, and the Evidence Study Bible, all at livingwaters.com. Remember to comment uh, and to also subscribe to the podcast. Again, you have helped us become one of the top podcasts in the world with a five-star rating. Keep it up, friends. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast. The ultimate cure for insomnia.
Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.